Hey, podcast listeners, Mackenzie here. I wanted to personally thank you for listening and being a part of our community. We couldn't do this show without you. As we shape the next series of the Living Centered Podcast, I wanted to invite you specifically to help us out. We want to hear from you. We're currently in the process of curating a series all around exploring the relationships that make up our lives. Together with various experts, clinicians, and on-site alum, we'll explore the nuances, intricacies, and impact of the relationships within which we all exist. From families of origin to friendships, dating, working relationships, and beyond. We hope to host conversations with guests who bring a definitive and unique perspective. This is where you come in. We want to know your pressing relationship questions. You can submit your questions to podcast at experienceonsite.com and you might just hear an answer on our next series. I do love this idea of peace as a practice and why I chose to write about it is because I was like, I know in my life I need more peace. I need to be reminded that peace is still possible amidst everything that's going on. But yet, it seems so hard to obtain, to get, <laughs> to, you know, acquire. So I'm like, there's got to be another way of looking at this. And as I looked back at my own life, and I looked back at even the legacy of people like my ancestors who came to America as slaves, not by choice, and how they practiced peace in their life because peace wasn't something that they could just be like, okay, yeah, I'm just gonna leave the plantation today and just go have a peaceful life. Like, it wasn't that easy for them. So in order for them to have any sense of peace or freedom to breathe, it was something that we had to work toward over decades. And I was like, that is a practice. Then I started to look in all these other different areas of my life and different moments throughout history where it's like amidst everything that's going on and how hopeless it often feels, we have to look back and see that individually and collectively in our lives, we have been practicing finding more peace and cultivating more peace in our lives. Welcome to the Living Centered Podcast, where we enter into honest conversations about pursuing a more centered life, rediscovering, reclaiming, and rooting in to who we truly are. I'm your host, Miles Edcox. I'm your host, Lindsay Nobles. And I'm your host, Mackenzie Vogt. Hey friends, this week Hannah and I are so excited to welcome back poet, artist, and writer Morgan Harper Nichols. She is the most authentic, kind, and insightful human. I was so grateful for the ways that she showed up in this interview and invited us into the practice of peace. As I share in this interview, Morgan's words and art have really cultivated one of the most peaceful corners of the internet for me and over 2 million other people over the last two years. She just consistently hits on the striving, uncertainty, and doubt that has filled so much of my 2020 and 2021. And honestly, I can tell you that she is who she is on the internet as she is in person. So I was just so grateful to have this interview with her. During the interview, she explores how we don't have to wait for peaceful circumstances, because they're never going to come, to practice and cultivate peace in our everyday. She shares about the deep work she's done to re-examine and really redefine what peace means and looks like in her own life. If you are intrigued by Morgan's pursuit and practice of peace, I encourage you to check out her new book, Peace is a Practice, an invitation to breathe deep and find a new rhythm for life. And if you love this episode, you can also check out episode 13, Living Centered and Reclaiming Ourselves Through Creativity with Morgan. 
So without further ado, our friend Morgan Harper Nichols. All right. Well, Morgan, I am so excited to have you back on the Living Centered Podcast. Woohoo! Honored to be here. I really am. Just a return guest. Yes, I'm honored to be here. I love this podcast. I really do. Good. Uh, in prepping for this, I think I started thinking about the work that you put out into the world and kind of where we have all collectively been for the last two years. And I genuinely mean this when I say you have curated one of the most peaceful places on the internet for me. And I think it has been such Mm -hmm. a gift in this season of uncertainty and shifting and changing and cancellation and disappointment. I think I continually return to your words as a permission slip to be where I'm at, to lean into the practices I know are kind to myself. And it's not in a sense of let's negate what's going on, but let's just be fully aware and embracing of what's going on. So I wanted to thank you for that and just tell mm-hmm. you we are so grateful for the words that you continue to put out into the world. Well, thank you. That That's so encouraging to hear because um, it's, it, it's not – it's not easy to, yeah. to not. try and, and and curate that, but I am very yeah. intentional about it because I, I do believe that, you know, for whatever reason, I, I've just been good at taking what I do and putting it in an internet form. I don't know why. <laughs> I oftentimes don't gift. feel qualified. I'm like, there are people who can do way more, you know, way better than me, but for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I have figured out how to do that. So my my sort of reaction to that is like well let me let me be as intentional with it as possible you know mm-hmm. so it's like these these tools are here for better or for worse these all these websites and things that you have to keep up with they're here for better or for worse um but the beauty of it is is that i'm like well it's here and and i'm just going to try my best to be present in in the way that i know how so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i end up finding a lot of peace in that and it's it's kind of like a it's very much so like a like a wave like i i do have like literally last night i was <laughs> i was having like I don't know if anybody else has like runs into this with, you know, whoever you live with, whether it's roommate, partner, spouse, or <laughs> sibling, and you're just like, okay, like I'm kind of have it's not an existential crisis, but I'm, I'm just trying <laughs> to like figure out like, what am I doing here? Like, right. yeah. don't, you don't need to worry, but, so I was just having one of those. I'm like, I feel like people may not really understand like what I'm sharing. Like it's yeah. uh, just a whole thing. And it's just yeah. like, I cycle through that and I allow myself to cycle through it because I think in, in a lot of ways it ends up coming out in what I share and other people are mm-hmm. dealing with that as well. It's like, even when you're in a good season or you're in a groove mm-hmm. or you're in a rhythm, like mm-hmm. sometimes there's still this uncertainty, these questions, whether big or small, and I'm like, yeah, I don't have all the answers for that, but I, I want to just continue to name, hey, I know what that feels like. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't like reached the other side where, um, yeah. you know, I figured all that out. So yeah, that's yeah. just kind of where, where I'm at right now. And, and it's been, yeah, it's been a, it's been surprisingly a very peaceful place, like taking a deep breath, mm. like, yeah, I don't have it all figured out and that's okay. Yeah. yeah. I think I love your work, Morgan, because of that, you for, for so many of us, especially in this time of isolation, I mean, you've been doing work long before that to promote 
connection and peace and resilience for people. But I think especially in these last couple of years, you've given people such a sense of like me too, like togetherness, um, which is like, we're all so hungry for right now. And I love that you like kind of take off the mask and say like, I don't know everything. I don't have the answers. (laughs) And and you're not trying to be, you're just a person who's going first and saying like, Hey, I see you. I see the good things. I see the hard things. Like here's a permission slip to say this sucks or this is overwhelming. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's been such a a beautiful piece to help people not feel so alone in this, in this last year or last couple of years. And I know that's been that for me. It's just been like a breath of fresh air to Mm -hmm. uh, feel a sense of togetherness with complete strangers on the internet. Um, But even through a medium like the internet, it's helping people heal. I think Um, out on site, we say like you're wounded in community. So you have to heal in community. And I think Mm -hmm. you're, the work you've done, although it could look, I'm sure it's not without a lot of sacrifice on your end to keep doing that, to promote all this. It's not always easy. The work you're done is making such a big impact and helping people heal on a collective level in a, in a time where we're created to divide on a collective level. And so I love that you've, you've been that kind of anchor for a lot of people in this season. So thank you. Uh, for those of you, for the few people who maybe are like, okay, what is this mystery? Yeah, what is happening? Morgan is. For the few people who haven't, maybe like stop this podcast and go look up Morgan on Instagram. That's where a lot of people follow her work. All there's lots of mediums you could connect with her in. But Morgan, what is like your? How would you describe your mission of what you do? Yeah, I'm an I'm an artist and a writer, and I I love making art. A lot of and, I, and, I, and a lot of what I do ends up kind of stemming from stuff that would make six-year-old me very Mm. happy. (laughs) And I consider myself very privileged that I even get to do that. Um, But I also do want to acknowledge that it came, it started from a place of not knowing what I was doing. And honestly, kind of, no, I won't even say kind of. It came from a place of failing at what I thought being a grown-up was. It came Mm. from a place of, of feeling like a total failure and embarrassment even Mm. to people who had supported me, my family and people who had supported me in my, in my career as a musician. I had like a whole thing as a musician. And even Mm. before that I had tried, like, like I had like an office shop, like with a cubicle and a name tag and just feeling like I had, I was really proud of that job. I loved it. Um, However, I was not equipped for a lot of the work and feeling like a failure because of that. Mm. And so, you know, the key word that I said there is like what I perceived as <laughs> what I perceived as failure. It was huge for me. And and I just spent like a lot of years trying a lot of different stuff. And honestly, and not even just to like find a passion, but like pay the bills. Like it wasn't, it wasn't right. about like, oh, I got to find my passion. Yeah. It was like, we're, we're trying to pay rent next month. Like it was uh-huh. not, yeah. it was not like, and not even, not even like the other route of like, I need to be an entrepreneur. I'm like, no, literally, I just need to like figure out how to pay my bills, like, yeah. <laughs> and how to pay for a medical bill. Like it was real practical yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I didn't have a lot of the real world practical skills that might get someone a higher salary position. Mm. So I was kind of left with the childhood thing of just making art and playing with colors. And that ended up being the thing that created something that was able to financially support a life and 
And I bring that up because I do think that sometimes finances don't get talked about enough about like how much the stress of finances really can alter life decisions where totally, you live, yeah. where how you get your mental health, like it affects so many things. Mm-hmm. And that was just my reality. So, so from then, it, you know, it's like, if you, if you type in my name, you're going to see a lot of different projects, a lot of different stuff. <laughs> and a lot of that just stems from, yeah, me just trying to figure it all out in real time. But I'm, I'm grateful that at the same time that a lot of it is just kind of following that childhood curiosity and making art. And so I have art on journals and planners and in books and on canvases and all kinds of places and, and in my app. And I, I love, I love to be able to share it. So yeah, that's just a little bit of what I do and how it kind of came to be. And, and yeah, that's a little bit of me. <laughs> I love that. Um, I think one, I love just the permission that comes from that of and the reality and the transparency to say, I'd put my hand, I went wide and trying to figure out how could I make this work and how can mm. I realistically, like, first and foremost, pay the bills? Um, because I think we have this this view of someone that is has millions of followers on Instagram and is at the top of their game and people love them. And we kind of put you in a box and say, oh, well, you this must have been so easy and you must have known all along. And I love just pulling back the curtain and saying, this was not easy, and it was just pragmatism mm-hmm. to start with. Um, and you stumbled upon it along the way. I also think we've talked, you know, Hannah referenced that you've really met people where they're at in this unique season of uncertainty, disconnection. And I'm so I'm wondering, as your new book is about peace, how have you cultivated peace in this space when it's been anything but the last two years, especially if you log on to Instagram, if you mm-hmm. log on to Facebook, if you log on to social media, even in relationships, there's so much division and there's so much uncertainty. How have you continued to maintain that and be an agent of peace through the work that you do? Yeah, it, it's that's a real serious topic. And it's something that I don't feel like I ever ended up figuring out how to navigate it perfectly. But one mm-hmm. thing, one thing that did kind of stand out to me and it still stands out to me in this time, is just, we have to be willing to give ourselves permission to practice, mm-hmm. to practice finding peace. And there will be times where in that practice, you will feel like you're failing or you will yeah. feel like it's like, Oh, wow. This today was, terrible like or this week was terrible or this month or this year you know and it's like you'll look back and say like wow like I really haven't made it that far um as as much as I thought like even if I I had a high well it was followed by 20 lows you know or whatever (laughs) whatever it is you know it's like whether it's on an individual level or communal collectively like there's so many different variables but, you know, one kind of thread that I that I saw, you know, I had this moment once when uh, it was like one of my first times, like kind of going out to the store after kind of like that first wave of lockdowns where, you know, mm-hmm. we weren't even like it was like, don't even go to the grocery store. And I remember going in the grocery store and like seeing like, you know, it was a hand sanitizer station like every two feet. And then, you know, everyone wearing masks and stuff. And I just remember thinking I was just like. I wish I was like, I can't because I'm an introvert and just, I can't, I can't even factor in doing this. But in my mind, I did this. I was like, I wish I had the courage to just like stand on like a shelf or something and just scream in the store and be like, Hey, everyone, 
we're doing a really good job at trying to figure <laughs> this out. Like, yes. it, it kind of sucks that this is where we are, right? That we're in the store trying to figure out how to find oh. the rice and the freaking mayonnaise. Right. And we're also wearing a mask. And some of us have kids and they're screaming. I'm like, this sucks. This is yeah. really hard. But look yeah. at us yes. trying to figure it out. And even though I didn't physically do that, that's something that I still yeah. think about when I see people trying to work things out in real times. I'm like, it's messy. It's confusing. It's imperfect. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt tons of anger, resentment, divisiveness, you know, violence even. And mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like when I zoom out, I really can see a whole bunch of people trying And Mm -hmm. I just think that we have to give ourselves so much grace for trying. And yes, some people are probably trying a little bit less than others (laughs) and are intentionally like, you know what? I just give up and I'm just going to cause chaos because that's the only thing I know how to do. But it's like, you know, aside from from that group of people, there's still a I I believe a much larger group of Mm, people who are like, yeah, I, I do want something better. We haven't figured it out, but we're trying to figure it out. And we're trying to educate ourselves. We're trying to to learn how to be better at taking care of ourselves mm-hmm. and taking care mm-hmm. of others. And we're yeah. trying, we're practicing. So yeah. that's something that I just try to lean into with everything mm-hmm. that I end up sharing and I also specify sharing because there's a ton of stuff that I write that I don't share. Like mm-hmm. in one of my journals that I finished in 2020, I, in 2020, I finished this journal that I literally, I feel like the whole thing is just me venting. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, I'm just yeah. going to, this is just me mad. Like, I'm just, here's everything I'm mad about. Like, and I'm like, you know what? No one may ever see that. You know, no one, I may never, ever share that publicly. I may not even go back and read it myself, but that's okay. It's like, we, I don't have to share all of that. And I'm free to share from a place of of encouragement when I'm yeah. able to be encouraging. Yeah. I'm free to share from a place mm. of, of, you know, wisdom and peace when it comes out that way. I don't have to be that way every second of the day. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, so giving myself permission to kind of practice sharing what I can. And then I hope that others feel that same permission as they encounter what I share. That's good. I love what you yeah. said about people. Um trying their best. And I think whether you stood up in the grocery store that day, I think you are standing up in your own platform in a way that makes sense to you and doing that. And so I want to affirm that. Um, But I think that's such a graceful reframing because I think Mm. like psychologically when we're in distress, our brain is going into Mm. fight, fight, freeze or fawn. And like we, we've all been in so much distress the last couple of years. And so I think when we don't try to step into that frame of we're all trying, we're all doing our best. We're all, maybe it's not as chaotic as this, the microscope that I'm looking at it. Cause when I'm looking at it, I'm in, I'm in like fight or flight and I'm, yeah. it looks chaotic. It looks hard. It looks like everything needs to be defensive. Yeah. And something Mackenzie has taught me recently is she, she's been saying like, Hey, just because it looks familiar, doesn't mean it's the same. And I think mm. that's a really beautiful reframe for a lot of us um, to say like, maybe there's is an opportunity for peace. Maybe there is something that we're missing out on. Um, I know a, a silly example of this is we recently had snowstorms in Nashville and it was like, a, there was going to be snow for about 24 hours. It was not going to be a big deal, but we all know the roads were going to close for 24 hours. Yeah. But something in Nashvilleians 
clicked on and it was like a total response, PTSD response we were to the all pandemic. Activated. And people just went out, mm. they scavenged the stores. Like I went to go get groceries. There was nothing left. There was no toilet paper. Wow. There was nothing. And people really responded. And I was like, why are people still responding? We're going to be in our houses for 24 hours. We're going to be okay. Yeah. But I remember like our body didn't know the difference. Our body was saying mm. like, this is scary. This is hard. This is wrong. I must yeah. defend. And I, so I've really been trying to lean into that, that framework of like, just because it feels familiar doesn't mean it's the same. And how if like in these moments where we are activated, because that's what our body is telling us to do, it's telling us to protect ourselves. Um, how can we reframe and say like, just because I'm assuming this person is going to respond this way, or just because I'm assuming that they're angry about this or divisive about this, how can I, because that's what it's been like, because I watched Mm -hmm. 2020 happen. I watched 2021 happen where I saw a lot of it. How can I step into a reframe of grace and say for myself and for others that it might be different. There might be an opportunity for peace. There might be an invitation to grace. Oh yeah. That is so, that's so interesting. You know, I feel like the the biggest thing that that I just love what you shared is just that, and that it seems like that you have Hannah is, is the awareness of what's happening, mm-hmm. and I think that that is awareness, self awareness mm-hmm. is something that I feel like is so valuable because it's in the in the times where. I myself kind of find myself maybe going into survival mode or, you know, doing certain things because I'm like, well, you know, maybe it's all going to, you know, just go terrible again. And I just need to hunger down and just like, you know, whatever version of it that is, I find the moments that I'm, I'm able to work through with the most when I'm kind of when I'm able to be aware that like. Oh, I'm, I'm doing that survival mode thing again. Yeah. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm creating a whole story here to make sure I'm okay. My kid's okay. That's what I'm doing. I'm like, I haven't figured out how to get out of it yet, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I know that's what I'm doing. And it, and it's kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of like in a way, like pulling back and, and seeing myself in that way. Mm. It's kind of like there are probably, there are much more, um, distinguished ways of referencing this but this is literally <laughs> the only reference i can come up with right now and it's in the movie doctor strange <laughs> where doctor strange <laughs> is looking at himself like on the bed yeah. like watching someone perform surgery it's like whoa that's kind of the first visual that came yeah. to mind of just like when i am able to just pull out and see like okay morgan you're going to sleep on yourself like right. you're going to yeah. sleep like i see it happening and I think that that that's been helpful for me because I think Mm -hmm. there's, there's so many, this is like a much, you know, deeper other topic, but there's so many things in society that, that make us like kind of fall asleep to ourselves and make Mm -hmm. us just accept whatever narrative is given to us. Yeah. And it's like, there's so many different ways that can go. But what I'm referring to specifically is like, take like advertising, for instance, and just Mm -hmm. how many of us, if we grew up being anywhere near television, it's like there was a certain program of ads that we were all seeing and they influenced mm-hmm. our life, you know, one mm-hmm. way or another. It could be something as simple as what neighborhood you, I mean, big as, as big as like what neighborhood you live in and how you vote right. or what kind of Barbie or Hot Wheel that you wanted. And they had influence in our lives. And then when you think about how in modern times, we're not even all getting the same ads anymore. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> we're all sitting here, the three of us talking. And if we opened, if we all co- in together, if we all opened Instagram side by side, we're all going to get three completely different things. Yeah. Even if we follow the same people, <laughs> which is right. 
wild. So it's like, wow, when you think about the sheer volume of stories that we are being told every single day, it makes it really hard to back up and say, wait, but how am I feeling in this moment? And how am yeah. I feeling affecting my actions? How are my feelings affecting others? It's really hard to do that when there's so, 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 so much coming in. So yeah, that's something I, I think about. And it's like, while I don't have all the answers, I'm like, I'm at least trying to bring awareness to that. <laughs> so it's like, we can all say like, okay, maybe when I'm feeling anxious or I'm getting into right. survival mm -hmm. mode, like there's something deeper going on. So. Right, right. I love that. That makes me think of um, like the need in our lives as we're thinking about peace to just kind of turn down some of the noise. I yeah. think so over inundated. Yeah, we're just everywhere we look, we're surrounded by messaging of something and, and we are human and we're in the human experience. And so some of that we need to yeah. inform humanity and our collective yeah. understanding of one another. But a lot of times, um, yeah, we don't understand. We we do become asleep to our own choices, to our mm. own thoughts and all of that too. And yeah. I love that about our programming at Onsite, which can be like a scary thing for some people. But when people come for a week at a time, they can't have access to their phones and mm -hmm. they're just totally off the grid. And it's amazing what you hear of yourself when you're willing to turn down the noise um, of mm -hmm. other things. And I think also when cultivating peace, I think I'd love to explore the concept of peace as a practice because I think people just yeah. think like peace is a mindset of like, and mm -hmm. I will be mm -hmm. peaceful and I'm going to meditate and I'm yeah. on a beach. <laughs> um, it's like, and peace is not a false reality. There's not like you arrived and now your life is all peaceful. It's like a conscious yeah. everyday decision and a practice to integrate into your life. And I wonder if you could speak to that at all in terms of how is peace a practice? How is it actionized? Yes. Oh my goodness. I, I love just everything you just said. That's, it's so fascinating to me, you know, the concept of like peace as a mindset, because that is, that's the thing. Um, this is sort of my just sort of like weird take on it. <laughs> and I think it's maybe it's informed by the fact that I'm autistic. I don't know, but I'm like, I, I personally feel like my mind is just never set. I was like, <laughs> my yeah. mind is always going like a gazillion directions true. at once. So yeah. I'm always like, what is a mindset anyway? It's like, oh, you to be successful. You have to have the right mindset. I'm like, that sounds great. But I was like, yeah. mine's is, is like, <laughs> yeah, mine's is like a, a mind marathon, but a marathon without a map. Um, yeah. And a marathon where we're doing a lot of walking because I don't like to run. <laughs> so, right, right. It's, <laughs> again, I know that's it's just a weird play of words. But yeah, I do love this idea of peace as a practice. And, and why I chose to write about it is because I was like, I know in my life I need more peace. I need to be reminded yeah. that peace is still possible amidst everything that's going on. But yet it seems so hard to obtain, to get, <laughs> to, you know, acquire. So I'm like, there's got to be another way of looking at this. And as I looked back at my own life and I looked back at even, even the legacy of people like my ancestors who came to America as slaves, not by choice, and how yeah. they practice peace in mm -hmm. their life because peace wasn't something that they could just be like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to leave the plantation today and just go right. have a peaceful life. Like it wasn't that easy for them. Mm -hmm. So right. in order for them to have any sense of peace or freedom to breathe, it was something that we had to work toward over decades. And I was like, that is a practice. I was like, they mm -hmm. may not have used that exact, you know, language the way that I'm, I'm using it in the 21st century, 
Right. And I'm like, that is that that was a practice. That was something that was like, we're committed to trying to figure something out. We're committed to to fighting for our freedom, our freedom to breathe. Mm. And in, in many cases, it was literally just the, the freedom to exist as a free person. It wasn't mm-hmm. even like, I want f- freedom to, you know, build a mega mansion on a beachfront. Like right. it was just freedom to exist mm-hmm. as a human mm-hmm. being with basic human decency. And when I look at that, that just gives me a lot of peace <laughs> because I'm, I'm able to see how I'm here today speaking to you all from what they practice. I'm mm-hmm. here today because of how they were committed to, to saying like, okay, we're going to work toward something better. And that was kind of the first place that I started to look but then I started to look in all these other different areas of my life and different moments throughout history where it's like amidst everything that's going on and how hopeless it often feels. We have to look back and see that individually and collectively in our lives, we have been practicing finding more peace and cultivating more peace in our lives. And now it's just a matter of continuing that practice, nurturing that practice. And yeah, that's just something that I I just really wanted to invite others into as I learn more about that myself. Hey friends, as a friendly reminder, we have an online store curated with some of our favorite emotional wellness resources, gifts, books, and apparel. And if you're loving this interview with Morgan, we even carry a couple of her products. Check out our collection of goods at onsiteworkshops.com slash mercantile. And as always, use the code podcast at the checkout for 20% off your order. I love that you talk so much in the book about the people that came before you um, and just mm-hmm. honoring the everyday showing up practice and kind of balancing that tension of um, what we say in our house is like content while contending. And so I wonder, as I was thinking through this and hearing you talk, like how do we balance a pursuit for justice? And when I think one of the most beautiful gifts of anger is like it awakens us to justice, it awakens mm-hmm. us to the reality of what's going on around us. So how do we balance, you know, a pursuit for justice and a pursuit for peace? Do you think that Mm. they can coexist? Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, I think a lot of it comes down to, it's just something that I feel like I've seen very clearly in my own life and just speaking from experience is, is really leaning into your strengths and your gifts. Mm -hmm. It's like some Mm -hmm. people are incredible orators, incredible public speakers. And it's like, you can you can use your your gift of speaking to bring about peace in the world. And yeah. so you may be looking at what's going on in the world and be like, well, I could never write, you know, an op-ed like that, or I could never, you know, write a book like that. Like, oh, you know, I, I can't contribute. But it's like, yeah, but you can speak in a way that a lot of writers can't. And it's just mm-hmm. very fascinating when you think about all the individual skills that we have. And it's like some of these very skills might be things that that we use just to kind of like 
just loosen our own shoulders and just breathe. Like I, I did a, like a very informal like survey on my <laughs> Instagram one time and I asked people, I was like, which helps you kind of like get it out better if you just have something to say, you need a vent. Do you need to talk it out or you do, do you need to write it out? And I just gave those two examples and it was like 50, yeah. 50, like some people were like, Oh my gosh, yeah. I got to talk. I got to talk. And some people were like, no, I don't want to talk to nobody. I just, I just want to write it all down, get it on paper. And I thought that was so fascinating because I was like, wow, like these are all, things that we can use to to channel our righteous anger our desire mm-hmm. for for justice into something good and we can't all do it the same way i'm like there's some people who are able to use their knowledge of of food and and preparing mm-hmm. food to educate people in the community of how they can make meals like how they can make meals at home in a way that doesn't drain them of their finances. It's like all those Mm. things are important and they're all a part of the whole. And it's like, just imagine a world where everybody was leaning into what they were good at and not what they felt like they were supposed to be good at. Like, oh, well, my parents or everyone in my community did this, so I guess I need to do it too. It's like, well, this is not a strength of yours. Like, (laughs) maybe you should try something else. (laughs) And I, I just think that we would all be in a better place if we could all say, you know what? I'm, I'm not the, like, you know, take the civil rights movement, for instance. Like, you, we may know names like Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks, but there are also names like Howard Thurman, who may not have been seen on the front lines, but he was a mentor to a lot of the vocal people who were in the civil rights movement. So it's like, yes, there will be, you know, there will be MLKs, there will be Malala's, there will be Greta Thunberg. Like there will be people who are out there, they're speaking publicly in, you know, in a big way, but there's also so many people that names we may never know, they, who, who became yeah. a place of refuge for people mm-hmm. on the front mm-hmm. line, who became a place of, of, of comfort, you know, even through a meal for someone mm-hmm. or opening up their home. So I think that it's like looking at, and when I say strengths, like I don't just mean like intellectual. I'm just like, what are your yeah. what, what resources do you have? You know, for yeah. for a lot of a lot of people, like so we always. <laughs> so my my husband is um, he's white and Hawaiian, and we had this joke years ago, like when we were touring and we were traveling to like really rural areas, and I would joke and say, hey look, something goes down, you got to be the one to get out the car because you're mm. a man and you look more white out of the two of us. So mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. you, I was like, you have way more privilege here. I'm like, I'm not getting out the car. You go get out the car and knock, knock on the door. And, you know, while that was just kind of like a funny thing, it's rooted in something deeper. It's like some people yeah, based reality. on their opinion. Yeah. They, based on how they are, how they appear and how they are received in the world, you have more privilege. More people mm-hmm. might listen to you. If you're white <laughs> about mm-hmm. some of these things, like it's if you're speaking, you know, to other white people. So I think that that's that's, you know, kind of go back to that self-awareness thing. It's like figuring out like what resources do I have? Like, what do I have? And for me, a lot of that has has looked like art. It's looked like yeah. making art. It's looked like poetry. But I always try to share with people. I'm like, that's just one version. I'm like, this yeah. is not something that only the artists can do. This is something yeah. that anybody can tap into. So I love that. That's such a good invitation for all of us because I think sometimes when yeah. the world is looking like the world's looked like the last couple of years, it can feel like people get stuck and overwhelmed mm-hmm. of like, but what can I do? And then I can't do anything. So let me freeze and stop. And I love that invitation to use what you have and use what yeah. you're already gifted in because the world needs that. The world doesn't need 
if everyone was a speaker, if everyone wasn't like mm-hmm. it looked the same way, we wouldn't get things done in the way that we need to. We wouldn't form the communities Absolutely. and build the relationships that we need to. And so I love that permission. Yesterday, we interviewed one of our therapists um, named Brendan, and he was really talking about how he found himself and kind of found what he was passionate about. And I kind of asked him, what would be your encouragement to those who are on the journey of finding yourself? And his answer was so simple. And I loved it because it was just like, well, what do you already like? What do you already spend your time doing? Like what gives you joy? And not saying it's always going to be easy to do those things. And I don't think that's a a reality to do those things full time all the time. Like I think even how you mentioned, like, hey, I didn't always do art. Like I worked in a cubicle (laughs) and I had these other jobs. But like, what are you gifted at? What gives you joy? And I think that can be the same integration when we look at how do we show up in the world and make an impact in areas of justice and um, advocating for others. How do I use my gifts specific to me to show up in the way that only I know how and, and do that like pretty bravely. And so I think I love that invitation for people to do that and re- really look at their own self-awareness of what they bring to the world. And I love the trial and error aspect of that too. I think a lot of, even just like the practice of it, I know we keep coming back to practice and but you, you define practice as like coming back to something over and over, even when we think we're failing. And I think hmm. reading that in the context of a lot of things that we talk about in this podcast, a lot of things that I feel like I want to be an expert at it. Mm-hmm. That to me felt like such a graceful lens of, oh, I can I can practice at this. I can mess up. I can say, okay, I think I'm good at talking, speaking, writing, cooking. I'm really good at hosting people in my home and making them feel loved. Like, how do I practice at that and do it before I'm perfect? Um, Mm -hmm. and and give myself the permission to maybe even fail at it. So that was what I was thinking while you and Hannah were both talking. Yes. Wow. Well, I'm I'm so grateful. Even just the way you just said that, like do it before it's perfect. I think that is so, so valuable. So yeah, thanks for saying that. Um, Something else that came to mind when you were talking, I'm kind of taking us back a step, but when you were sharing about your ancestors practicing peace, One theme I took away from that is that peace doesn't mean there's not hardships and peace doesn't mean there's not pain. Um, I think people think if they arrive to a place of peace, then life will look easy. And um, I think that's something we really practice here at Onsite is um, we try to equip people to feel more equipped to handle life's challenges because life is still going to have challenges. And we're all going, there's no way any of us are, are, escaping adversity for the rest of our lives. Like we're all going to have loss, grief, trauma, shame. These are things that are normal to the human experience. And it's not that when you have peace or resilience, you are immune to those, but you can feel there is an opportunity to feel more grounded in it. There is an opportunity to lean into it, to pay attention to it, to allow those things, those moments of hardship to be a teacher and allow you Mm, to learn from them and invite others to learn from them too. And so I love that picture of your ancestors because their lives maybe didn't get better at that time. There wasn't, like you said, they couldn't just go walk off by a mansion and start their lives. Like they had some really hard experiences and they still were hungry for peace. They still were cultivating that. And I imagine that that was impactful for them, that that allowed hope in their lives, allowed light into their lives, even moments really dark and terrible, painful things. And so I, I want to like I'll encourage people, if you have anything to say around that, Morgan, I'd love to hear, but just encourage people that peace is not an absence of pain and that, yeah. that those things can coexist. 
Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, I wrote about is, you know, peace is not the annihilation of discomfort. And I think that a lot of times that that is the, this kind of perception around peace. And even, and I'm not at all, I'm not even like criticizing this phrase that I don't even know where it originates, but it's something that I struggled with for a while. And I was like, why do I struggle with it? And it was a phrase, um, protect your peace, or I need to protect mm. my peace. And mm. I was like, I'm struggling with it. I'm like, why am I struggling with it? And I'm like, oh, I think I know why. I was like, because there are times where I have felt that my peace that was not protected because I didn't feel protected. I didn't feel safe. And then what ends up happening from there is like, I would put shame on myself for saying, mm. oh, look at you for not keeping it together. You know, mm. like, how dare you cry in front of all those people? Like, mm. Or how dare, yeah. how dare you? You know, I, I remember one time specifically, my mom has a chronic illness. So I remember one time being with her in the hospital and it was just someone who was on the hospital staff and I, as her daughter, didn't like the way they were caring for her. And I remember like speaking up saying like, this isn't right. Like you need to do this differently. And I remember how I felt in my body. I was shaking to speak mm-hmm. up. Like it was, it felt so wrong almost mm-hmm. to get angry in that mm-hmm. way, in that setting. And in that moment, I felt like I had lost it. I'm like, I lost my cool. You know, I I lost it. I felt bad about that. Like even later after I failed, I was like, no, that was the right thing to do. I was like, no, but I felt bad. I'm like, why did I feel mm-hmm. bad? Because I was like, I think sometimes like this idea is peace is being something that we just have to hold and keep and keep mm-hmm. our composure. That's just not always the reality. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. sometimes we have to fight for peace for other yeah. people. And that doesn't mean that we have all the answers for them, but it is mm. it will feel, it might even feel wrong at first, you know, especially if you're the kind of person who's been taught to keep your composure, don't raise your voice, you know, don't rustle feathers, you know, ruffle feathers, <laughs> don't yeah. do all these things, you know, if it, it, it can feel wrong. It can feel like that's something we're not supposed to do. But that's why I write so much about peace is the freedom to breathe. And it's Mm. like for that freedom to breathe, it takes embodiment. It takes movement. It takes saying no sometimes. No, we're not going to tolerate that. No, I'm not going to let you talk to me that way. Or I'm not going to stand Mm. by and watch this injustice happen. So, yeah, that's that's something that I, I, I try to really write about very clearly mm. even from the beginning because I, I think that that it's a it can sometimes I, I know how that phrase can be helpful for people or thinking of it in that way because I'm 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 a very visual person. I'm like, no, I get it. Like sometimes like I can close my eyes sometimes and I'm like, okay, I'm at this peaceful ocean. You can't tell me otherwise. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's like beyond that, you haven't failed when it doesn't mm. feel that way. You haven't, you know, just because you got, you know, angry or because, you know, you're you're kind of like not feeling peaceful, it doesn't mean, okay, there's no hope for me. It's all gone. It's like, no, there's still room to work your way Mm. back into breathing and to work your way back into the practice of breathing and finding peace. So, yeah. Well, even the way that you frame that, like we often think that peace is so passive. Like Mm -hmm. I think the, the schema that we have for peace is like inaction, not moving, but those examples you gave are very much like peace in action. Saying no is an action in order to create more peace in my life. Setting the boundaries or taking a moment away. Like there's so much 
action in that. And I wonder if you could speak to what are some other like actions of peace that maybe help us find the peace that we are longing for, but we wouldn't always associate it with a pursuit of Mm. peace. Yes. Yes. So I, I have been kind of just nerding out about like some of the little things that we can do. Cause I feel like there's some of the obvious ones that are, that are real. I mean, Breath work, that's real. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely. And at the same time, I'm like, okay, there, you know, I, 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 I'm also curious about some of the unexpected things, like what, what you would, what you mentioned there. And one small one that I started thinking about was, and again, with, I'm, so I'm autistic and I have mm-hmm. a, within my autism diagnosis, I also have a sensory processing disorder. And I, my senses get overwhelmed very fast. And one area in my life where I get really overwhelmed, bright lights. So even Mm -hmm. like as we're talking right now, I have almost all, I have like one little dim lamp, but it's all natural light. I mean, it wears me down. Like just being Mm -hmm. under, especially fluorescent lights, like I can literally feel like, like it's just, it's hard to explain, but it, it wears on me. So one thing that I've had to do just from a sensory level and just like keeping my body in peace is figure out creative ways to, to bring more natural light into my life. And Mm -hmm. I don't live, you know, I don't have like, you know, 12 foot skylights (laughs) in my house or anything. So I have to get really creative. And one thing I started to factor into my life are a lot of candles. And Mm -hmm. I actually, in in the book, I actually reference this um, project that this uh, writer did where she took out they took out all the lights in their family's house for for I think like two weeks or something and they put all only candles mm. and she goes about all goes through all this research about how it just how our artificial light actually does have an impact on us mm. so it's like when you think about that small thing of just like lighting a candle instead of using artificial light it's like just that small thing can make a small difference that ends up being something much bigger and one thing that i did when when i i noticed when i started doing this myself and incorporating more more candles is i was like you know what's so interesting about a candle different than a light bulb is that Mm -hmm. light bulbs can burn brightly for thousands of hours yeah. yeah, a candle cannot like that candle mm. can only burn so bright for so long before it needs a break because that wax gets really slippery and you got to blow it out. So one thing I've started to do is when I'm working, I'll light a candle when I start and not like one of those huge, like 12 wick candles, <laughs> like, <laughs> like a single wick candle. And as that candle gets to that point where it needs a break, that's when I take a break. Because I was like, even those subtle, that subtle hint from that artificial light always being on, I was Mm. like, yeah, our our days don't even end anymore when it gets dark, Mm. like, because Mm -hmm. we have these lights that can just burn bright all the time, and we expect ourselves to do the same. Mm. So I was just like, yeah, there's something to that. So I really just like nerded out (laughs) and went in on it in in the book because I was just like, you know what? This might just be one of those weird nerdy Morgan things, but I'm just going to share it because it's been so helpful for me. I love that practice. Yeah. I was like thinking, how do I start that? Because it's, it's such a reminder of like you are a human being, not a human doing. Yes. And even something as normal 
as the amount of artificial lights. Even as you were talking, I was like, what do I, what artificial lights do I have right now? I have two huge screens shining at me. (laughs) Like, and they are communicating, continue at the productivity level that these machines can facilitate for you. Um, And I just, yeah, I love the practice of let's take a candle and just like a candle needs a break, you need a break. Absolutely. A computer doesn't need a break, but a candle needs a break. I yes. Just, that's oh, gosh. so yeah. beautiful and, there's, and so there's, invitational. Oh, there's Cozy. so much. Yes. And there's so much to the computer thing as well. Like one thing I noticed of many is, so I have on my calendar app, I was looking, going through my calendar app and I had a day that didn't have anything on it. It was just a miracle. There's nothing on that day. And I, and on the, um, like it prompted me with like this big blue button that says there's nothing on your calendar this day would you like to add something and I was like isn't that interesting this subtle little probe of like this is a mistake right like (laughs) nothing on the calendar and I was like wow how many little things are there like that you know just these little haptics and notifications that that are just constantly probing us to be on and do more things so Yeah. yeah I just find that really fascinating Oh my gosh, there's so much to learn from that. I was just thinking as y'all were talking, I have a candle burning right now. And before you were started talking about this, I was thinking like, I need to blow it out because I don't want to waste it. Like I need to like oh, protect it. Wow. I need it to last longer. Mm. And I'm yeah. all of a sudden I'm like, I don't do that for myself. Like I don't yeah. do that for my own energy, my own mm. time. I don't say like, I need to protect this. It's time to turn this off. And like, if we could treat even things like a silly candle that I just love the smell and I don't want it to be done. I'm like, what if yes. I treated myself like that too? And so like, Hey, I don't want me to be done. I don't want me to exactly. like have this be discarded and burnt out. Like I want to preserve this too. I want to prioritize this. Um, so yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much to learn from that. Even the, okay. the adage, the old adage, like burning the candle from both ends. I feel like that is when I am at my most unhealthy, like I lean so hard into that, like productivity mm. is my value. I'm going to burn the candle from both ends. And it's, it's oppressing from every area um, mm-hmm. instead of that savoring of how do we protect this beautiful oh, thing? Yeah. For sure. yeah. I love this. So maybe as we, as we kind of land the plane, I would love to hear what is your hope for this new book? Um, what are you hoping that people receive from it? What are you hoping that they take away? Um, and what, yeah. well, how do you want them to be more at peace with themselves? Yes, it's, you know, it's my hope with this book that it really empowers people to find their own creative practices. And by mm. creative, I don't mean artsy, <laughs> but I mean like those little things. I mean, it can't be artsy, obviously, but those little things in your life that you maybe didn't even recognize that you were doing, or maybe you used to enjoy doing that. I hope that by me getting into the details and the nitty gritty of all these little places where I've been finding these peace practices that you can find them for yourself and that they can spread out into your community as well to inspire others Mm -hmm. to do the same because we need more peace. And, you know, I think we can all agree that the world will be a better place if we have more peace. And I think it's, it's time that we get moved from the, the big lofty to down into the practical and say, how, what does this look like practically? 
It's like, well, in our community, it looks this way with food or it's, it looks this way with, you know, this roundtable discussion where everyone's quilting at the same time. I don't know. I just made that up. But I love it. <laughs> it's, there's, there's like a billion different ways that it can look. And I just hope that this yeah. inspires people to say, okay, like I feel equipped and empowered to go on this journey of looking for ways to practice peace in my daily life. Thank you for listening today and for committing valuable time to share space with these powerful stories. Make sure you hit subscribe to get all of our inspiring conversations with these incredible people delivered directly to you. And if you found this conversation particularly impactful, consider supporting the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. When our emotional health is suffering, many of us begin to feel alone and overwhelmed. If you're in that place right now, we deeply encourage you to ask for help. If OnSite can support you in connecting the dots with one of our programs or other offerings, our admissions team would love to connect with you. Simply call 1-800-341-7432 or visit onsiteworkshops.com.